Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's Flyers Daily uh, for Monday, May 2nd. And on this episode, we bring them in right away. We're not going to have any kind of preamble or anything like that. It's Mondays with Meltzer. Tons to discuss from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how's the offseason? It's uh, going to be a very long offseason. You know? To be determined, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It'll be a very active off season. And, you know, from there, from there, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of, in, you know, initial relief that the season is over. Yeah. And then you realize, wow, it's going to be till September till there's, you know, till training camp and preseason. Because that's a you know, four months. So it's yeah. a long off season. Yeah, until they spill the pucks again, it's going to be a while. It'll be shorter than a normal offseason when you don't make the playoffs. It's about a round and a half. Yeah. But I mean, I, like, I, I'm finding myself just carrying around like reporters' notebooks all over, and I'm just, as yes. like things are coming <laughs> into my head, I'm writing them down to yeah. talk about. Um, I want to get to the 12 uh, dirty dozen question marks heading into the offseason, but where I want to start is I'm going to get to media day in a second. But where I want to start is over the past, over 471 days. That was January 13th, 2021, until the season ended. 82 games this year, 56 last year, 138 total games. The Flyers' record in that time, 50 wins, 69 losses, 19 overtime losses, and 119 points, which ranked them 26th in the NHL, a .431 points percentage. In that period of time, too, over those two seasons, 2.68 goals per game, 26th in the league. 3.56 goals allowed per game. Most in the NHL tied with the Devils. Power play, 15.3%, 29th. PK, 74.6%, 32nd. And here we sit. Those numbers are pretty ugly. They are, and it's no small sample size either. So, uh, you know, it, and, and, you know, within within that record was a fast start the last season, although they really weren't playing anywhere near, you know, what you'd call A-level hockey, where they would sustain it. But still, they went into March, you know, a season ago with a pretty good record. And and, and it feels like a million years ago already, but they did start this season 6-2-2. Two, and two. Mm-hmm. So even, even those, you know, even those little hot spells the last two seasons, they're folded into those numbers that, that you just gave. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it underlines that, uh, you know, A, that, the priority to cut goals against average, which was one of the biggest things coming into this year mm-hmm. um, for a little while that, that they were on track to do that and clearly fell off with that. And then the other part of it being, you know, the special team side of it, right? Because, because you can win or lose games on special teams. And uh, you know, they certainly, they certainly weren't winning a lot of games on special teams, particularly this season, but you know, last season too. So yeah, I mean, it's just been so ugly. And, you know, that that's also a byproduct of being devoid of, you know, top talent. Yeah. I mean, that's really what this speaks to. It, it does. Um, but even, you know, even with uh, even with guys who, you know, who've had success in, uh, you know, like we were just talking about special teams, like, like Claude Giroux, I, you'd be hard-pressed to name five better power play guys over the last – 15 years than Claude Giroux. Yeah, good point. Not even, not even he moved the needle much at all. So, you know, it, it uh, I mean, yes, it, it's a talent thing, but, but it's more to it than that because guys who've had success doing certain things were not having the success as you would hope. Right. And, and it's, it's collective. It's a team thing, but it's, uh, these are things that absolutely must change 
next season there's going if there's going to be progress because if the same issues pop up again you know you end up in the same place no doubt and a big key to making progress is accountability and this is where i want to bring in uh the media day or breakup day which happened on saturday you know i was really glad ryan ellis spoke and i like what he had to say i was really not glad that ivan Provorov spoke because i hated what he had to say and frankly I'm disappointed in what he had to say. The way he came at the media, you guys are all hockey experts with all of your experience. I mean, to me, that was, I was really disappointed in what he had to say. And frankly, kind of pissed off about it because it's not the right tactic to take if you're a leader. He's been in the league long enough. Yeah. And that was wrong on all levels. I'm, I'm, I'm still pissed today. Yeah. And it had, listen, you know, it wasn't of even to guys, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, of all the guys in the media, you know, first of all, being asked to, to assess your season is a standard end yep. of season question. Talk. Yep. It, it, it every player is asked that. You know, A and B. I mean, like Jordan Hall of all people. You know, Jordan. There might not be a, a nicer, less uh, confrontational person. Uh, you know. In the tri-state area, let alone in the local hockey media, than Jordan. Yeah, you know, uh, so Jordan especially didn't didn't deserve to become at you know for for Proverb to come at him like that. It was almost premeditated that uh, he knew he was going to be asked that question because every player is asked that, and he decided ahead of time how he was going to answer that. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, it it was disappointing. No, nobody else took that particular tactic, and and truthfully, it, it's not like Proverb's gotten especially rough ride. You know. I, I I think sometimes you know one of the uh, one of the players I think it was I think it was Travis Konechny was asked about the trade rumors. He said I don't you know I don't have social media. I, I think that's a I think that's a good policy for all players. Like you know at least at least in season you know because there's a lot of nastiness and negativity you know that's out there. It's part of it. It's just it's just part part of the you know part of the scene. And B with when the team is where it is. You know, fans get angry. They, they, you know, they vent in a variety of different directions. Mm-hmm. Taking criticism is part of the business, and the other part of it too is that there's plenty of people with a with a ton of hockey knowledge and a ton of hockey experience directly. Okay, who were not happy with the consistency of Ivan's season. It's not just media. Yeah. So that's uh, you know, I, that, that's all I'll say in that regard. Um, you know, in terms of the overall narrative with Ivan, I, I think that it's. You know, I think the pendulum has swung a little, almost too far the other way, where, you know, I, I the last couple of years he has not played to the level that I think that the Flyers have needed him to play to, right? He's he's a good defenseman. I mean, he's a and we saw that with Miskanen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's he's a twenty minute a night defenseman. Um, and pretty any any team in the league, you know, has he played to? the expectations level that, that that's placed upon him, especially given the, you know, some depth issues. No, he has not. Um, but is he, you know, is he a liability? Is he a player? You just, just ship him out of here. Well, no, you, you know, know, you get a hockey trade that makes sense. Then, then, then you consider doing that. But, you know, I, I think that, I think that some of, I think some of the other side of that can be toned down, you know, a notch or two, but uh, I, I was a little disappointed with the way that, that Ivan went about that. I, I think they're, I think there's a, a better there's a better way to do it. I, I you know I, I don't think I don't think a player benefits from that. Um, 
you know, it just and, and I don't, I'm, I'm truthfully, um, I don't think it plays that well within the, the team as a whole because every player takes criticism, every player, you know, every player deals with it, and you know, you eat so. I just think that I just think there's a way of doing it and a way of not doing it. And I don't, I don't think Ivan chose the right way, whether it's out of frustration, whether it's out of this or that, I, I don't know, but it, uh, it, it could have been handled a lot better. I agree with that. Totally agree. Um, let's move on because we did like what we heard from Ryan Ellis. It was a bit of a surprise appearance from Ryan Ellis. Um, he, he did eventually come out and talk about what he's been dealing with. What did you, what'd you make of what Ellis had to say? Well, it, it filled in a lot of gaps, right? It did finally, um, you know, and, and now, now that you, now that you, now that it's been clarified, and it, it makes sense, right? That that the problem, even even the beginning on when he was trying to be, you know, maybe a little coy about it, a little, you know, try. I mean, it's it's because it's because it's in, you know it's in the pelvic area, and that's that's a sensitive people people don't really want to talk about that. So it kind yeah. of it made a lot of sense. Okay. That that's why he didn't, you know, and plus they plus they couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was because it had a variety of symptoms, you know. Yeah. It's uh, so you know, was it was a lower abdomen? Was it uh, was it groin? Was it hip? Was it this or that? You know, well, because he was so he was experiencing multiple things, so they didn't really know, and and it takes a long time to get to that. Um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I it, it definitely it definitely clarified a lot of what's going on. He certainly sounded very upbeat and optimistic. Um, you Didn't know, sound like a guy who doesn't want to be here. Does he not, not one bit, not yeah, one bit. That was that, my that, big takeaway. That particular rumor was, was shot down, you know, emphatically that, that he loves it here. Wants to be part of the team. The reason why he wasn't around was just that it was emotionally very hard, not being, not being able to help. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, and, and, you know, different players handle that stuff different ways. And uh, as, as long as he wants to be part of the solution, you know, and, and wants to be there, you know, then, but the, the thing is, is that experience, you know, with, with maybe not that specific injury, because not that many players have had that specific thing. As he, as he said in his own, you know, he said he hasn't talked to any players that, hey, hey I went through that same thing. We probably would have made it easier, right? Yeah. Men- mentally, if we would have talked to some other guys, I had the exact same thing. You know, go okay. Well, what did you do? And it's you know, yeah. it, Gain a it little clarity. Me, yeah, exactly. So, but that being said, you know, you, you believe it when you see it, right? If if he can stay actually stay healthy, it, it's a big relief. To me, it's a, still a big concern until he shows, you know, in training camp and into the season. Okay, he's he's healthy. He seems to be staying healthy. That's that's one concern you can check off the list. But in, until that time. Um, you know, I, I think it still is a concern. No doubt Personally. about it. It's a huge question mark until, like you said, I put that on one of my 12 question marks for the mm-hmm. offseason. But unfortunately, we won't get an answer to that question mark probably until this time next year. Sure. When next season yeah. ends. It's a long form yeah. question, that one. Um, were you surprised that Yandel didn't speak? A little. A little. I mean, we He's already know. Saving that his retirement? Yeah, I, I, I think that he kind of wanted to pick the pick the venue where he does it yeah you know um so i mean uh you know i don't i mean you know listen keith yandle is a great guy it was not this this wasn't intended as a slight to anybody i just think he wanted to announce on announce it in, in his own way where he wants to announce it and that's fine he's he certainly earned that right yeah i agree um let's get to the 12 
question marks. We just talked about Ellis, and that was the first one that popped into my head because I think there's so much contingent on Ryan Ellis. And uh, we'll we'll get that answer in due time. Um, the next one was Sean Couturier and his back coming off back surgery. I had a chance to speak to Coots um, at the after he met with the media. I did a one-on-one, which I'll have on Flyers Daily coming up. I've got a ton of them, 19 as a matter of fact, with individual players. Um, and he said he's feeling really good. He's back skating. Everything is on schedule. I asked him if he was ahead of schedule for getting back on the ice. And he said, no, it's exactly when they targeted. And I got back on the ice and I'm going to be skating out throughout the summer. Um, and I also asked him about if he's a player that would relish wearing the C as going forward. And he mentioned that, yeah, I mean, if that happens, it would absolutely be an honor. So I think it's ticketed for that. But Sean yeah. Couturier, what'd you think of what he had to say? Loved it. Um you know, both both his assessment of himself of the you know that that's a guy who when he you know he's a guy who doesn't talk just to hear his own voice. When you ask him a, a question, you know that that requires a little bit of insight. He gives you some insight, right? He yeah, uh, yeah. and, and uh, I thought he gave some very insightful answers as to what he observed this season, as as also as well as what his own situation and status is. Um, you know, not you hear back injury and you get concerned. Not not all of them are, you know, they're not all created equal. Um, his, I mean, it, it, it seems like he he'll be fine. It's not, it's nothing. You know, thankfully, it's nothing that's uh, seems to be career threatening or anything like that. You know, you you want to see, you want to be sure the guy holds up and, and that kind of thing. I know, I know, he still has plenty of game. I know he still has plenty of game because through the first ten games of the season before he got hurt, he had twelve points. So he's, you know, still very much a player and in the prime of his career and, you know, maybe late twenties, he'll be 30 in, in December, but there's still plenty of game left in him. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, as, as reasonably confident as you can be that this particular injury is not going to be something that lingers. It was taken care of. And I think he's a guy who I'm pretty confident should be fine. I agree. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. It's a minor concern because of those two words back surgery, but yeah. We tend to think of back surgery from 1974, and it's different now. And you're right, there's varying degrees. Um, Has JVR played his final game as a flyer? Uh, I I think when you look at the salary cap situation, the odds favor that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a a slam dunk that uh, he's he's not back, but I I, I think that, you know, when you you look at creating cap space, a player who has one year to go on the deal at, at $7 million, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's the nature, it's the nature of the business. So I think that, uh, you know, and, and, and you look at what are the things the team needs to accomplish. Now he is the guy who led the team in goals this year at 24, but even he said, you know, and, and I can't agree with him. His self, I thought his self-assessment was, was right yeah. on yep. that. Uh, I mean, he came on a little bit late this season, but there were stretches where the flyers had it, you know, at least. I, I don't know the, the at critical junctures where they needed to turn things around. He was one of the guys who was still struggling at that yeah. point, and uh, and we took ownership on that. And you know, not a surprise because JVR is a really good guy, and he's always been a really stand-up guy. Um, so uh, you know, I, 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 I none of that surprised me. I, I also liked you know a variety of guys answered questions with "We need to be harder to play against." Yeah, right. Yeah, and they all, de- they all they all defined it. Yeah, Atkinson defined it great. Yep. And JVR added something to that as well, where, you know, Atkinson was talking about, you know, the uh, the physicality part. He's had a little bit of an FU attitude, you know, the 
the grit, the jam, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever word you want to use. Um, and JVR said that is part of it. The other part of it too is, hey, teams that are, it's particularly in today's games that are hard to play against, are teams that always have the puck. Yeah. And they're making you, you know, they're not, they're taking care of the puck and uh, they're hard to get it back from. And those, yeah. that's another way that, you know, we talk about teams that are hard to play against. The Flyers need to become harder that way too. And he was right. Yeah. Control the puck, control the game. It's, yeah, you know, 50-50 battle, win the puck back, and now you're controlling the game again. Um, it's going to be an interesting one to see how that plays out for JVR and the Flyers, which brings me to the next one. And speaking of being hard to play against, you know, the head coach is a lot of times the personality that a team takes. And I, I think Cam Atkinson, did he mention Tortorella? Yeah. He did. He mentioned to me after we were done recording. Yeah, he did. He did. He did, and, and he was talking about stuff that he learned from Tortorella, and, and uh, you know, and, and some of the, you know, so some of what goes into being a hard team to play against. And yeah, yeah he, been, he mentioned uh, he mentioned Torts. So I'll just mention one thing that he said to me when we were done recording, um, but I'm not going to mention all of it because it was we we're just having a conversation. But he loved playing for John Tortorella, and he talked about ultimate accountability. The next head coach has got to bring that element to the table, especially with so much youth coming through. Um, but we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if that's going to be, we'll get an announcement this week. We don't know if we're going to get an announcement two weeks or two months, but that's a big, big question mark. That's going to really kind of start the progress here. If there is progress to be made. For sure. Um, it's something that we've discussed before too, in the podcast that's the first indication of, of what kind of identity you want to have as a team. Right. And what, yeah. what your steps in the summer are going to be. If you're, if you're looking for a, you know, see if the, try to keep developing the younger players, keep the emphasis on those guys, you know, see where you are a year from now, try to create cap space. That doesn't really fall in the, you know, that's more, more towards the line of, of looking for a dramatic turnaround, you know, uh, cutting your goals against average, changing your, your, team culture and attitude because you know quite quite simply it, it's tortorella's way or the highway right yep and it doesn't and matter if you're a star player or not does not care does not care um he will you know no matter no matter who you are he will bench you you know he'll call you out you know he and I mean, whatever he, he just doesn't care he, he runs the team how he runs a team and uh you either get on board or you go somewhere else and uh if 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 it does work out that way, that's going to be, uh, you know, gonna be, I guess, highly entertaining in some ways and in other ways, you know, as, as media people, in some ways he'll make our jobs easier in some ways. So, you know, when he wants to, he can make it harder too. Cause that's, that's towards, but uh, yep. yeah, I mean, it, it, it would never be dull. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, the second game after Patrick Line got traded there, yeah, he was him. benched. He yeah. benched him for not doing the right things. I mean, <laughs> that that's unbelievable. You know, Liney comes over there on an expiring deal and a guy who's known for, you know, caring about one end of the ice and Torts was like, I don't care about long-term. If you're not going to play the right way, I'm sitting your rear end down. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think you're right though. In some ways he'll give you a lot of copy and in other ways he may be aggravating, but that's Torts. Yeah. And it, look, I think if you hire Torts, it makes the team matter a lot more right away just because of what he brings to the table. It does. I, I I don't know if you saw the uh, what was out there on social media, and it's rumors at this point. But but about uh, Joe Quenville possibly, you know, uh, applying for you know to to get back in the NHL. 
is that, is that a game changer to you? If if Q was out there, given you know, all the things you have to weigh in that. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time with the Quinville thing because he wrote a letter of recommendation to Aldrich to get future work when he knew what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, know. I know, I agree. Yeah, I mean, he's a great coach, no doubt about it, but I'd have to stay away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean there that's that's just a such a you know such a mark against him. Yeah, and deserve so fresh too. Like, what what has he done for to repent? You know, right, right. He just just yeah, he just. Sit out, yeah. sit out season, give up the Florida job. Well, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But as, you know, but as a hockey coach who's a game changer, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's an outstanding hockey coach. So, that is. Is, you know. And, and he was a guy that obviously we talked about when Dave Haxtell was fired. Yeah. You know, we, we heard his name out there. And, um, you know, the rumor was that Chuck actually offered him a gig, but Florida paid him more. Yeah. So. Um, who knows if that's true or not, but we shall see. Bill, there's this, this. I don't know if it's a narrative. I don't know how this got created, but it's these three players. It's TK, it's Travis Sanheim, and it's Ivan Provorov in the sense that, well, one of those guys is definitely gone, or two of those guys are definitely gone. I don't know if one of those three are gone. I don't know if two of those three are gone, all three are gone, or all three are here. But I, I'm trying to figure out when this narrative came about because I don't know that we've gotten – you know, any clarity on it. I know Frege has mentioned it that, you know, Provorov is a guy that, you know, could bring back a lot in a trade, but yeah. that was all around the deadline and that's kind of silly season. So I'm not sure what the sense is. I think this is something that's going to evolve. Oh, I, I do too. And, and sometimes things just, you know, you, nobody's talking about it and it goes down. You go, go all the way back to like the, the Braden Shen trade, right? He wasn't even the rumor mill. Yeah. And then, uh, and then at the draft and the flyers had already, they already picked. They'd already picked Nolan Patrick at that point. And, you know, you're okay. Well, who are they going to take in the second round? And all of a sudden, they, the bombshell drops, right? Yeah. That was a, it was a major, major trade. So, um, you know, that, that's how things go. Things like that go down sometimes. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that one or two or whatever. They're, they're certainly not. I said, you know, I, I know things we talked about at the, at the top of the show with Provorov. But to me, how do you, you know? Unless you have a plan for replacing those minutes, right? I, I'd really think twice about it. Um, you know, you, if you can get better as a hockey team, you get better. And nobody, nobody should be untouchable. There's no sacred cows after the way these last two seasons have gone. Anything should be on the table. Everything should be for consideration. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Travis Konechny, I mean, I. Uh, yeah, you know, he was another guy. He was like, "Yeah, hey, my you know, my year was unacceptable, right?" Um, his own expectations were higher. He ended up leading the team in scoring, but he didn't yeah. hang, he didn't hang his hat on that. He yeah. he knows that uh, you know he knows that leading the team with fifty two points is really more an indication of a team that's been struggling to score than than his own season. He, he had a good season assist wise, but he needs a, he needs more goals too. Yeah. Did you think it was interesting, Jason, where you talked about? You know, I actually looked at some of the analytics as to where his uh, his Good shot locations were. Yeah. I, I thought I thought that was pretty telling, right? And that, uh, yeah. that, that that's that's the way that analytics, you know, can can be used effectively, particularly with players. Oh, okay, I I see it now. I, I see that uh, you know I'm shooting from the perimeter too much, or yeah. or uh, you know, or I'm or I haven't been shooting when I'm in that spot. I'm more likely to pass it up, and it's something that that he can apply to his game. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
Yeah, I asked him about that because he met with uh, the regular media first, and then I had the one on one with him. And I asked him about that. And he's like, I got to get to the middle more. I got to get to the high danger areas. Mm -hmm. I'm too much shooting out of the perimeter. When you see, when they break down all of your shots, scoring chances, or shots that you're trying to take, and you see the heat map and you're outside all the time, it's, it's, you may think that you're in those areas, but when you see that you weren't, like sometimes you mm -hmm. feel like you're in an area and you're not. I'm taking high danger chances. That was a good scoring chance. No, it was on a dead angle and you were outside, you know, the top of the circle. So really not that great. And seeing it perhaps can, can show him. He actually said to me too, that he's probably going to watch some film this summer. Something he's going to get into looking at. I mean, good. I mean, all good stuff, right? Yep. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I like that quite a bit. That shows a real commitment to yep. looking at his game in, in different ways. And, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it says that even a player gets in his mid twenties or whatever, he's, you know, he can continue to evolve, continue yeah. to improve. Um, so I, I thought, I thought that was all good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the other guy we were, you know, you mentioned just a second ago was Sandheim. And I think really the ball, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be shopped whatsoever unless he has no interest in an extension is, you know, it's one of those, Oh, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Later. I mean, the flyers need to get that done. So they need to, you know, you don't want you don't want this to drag through next season, particularly if it's another good year. Yeah, we're getting close to the deadline again, and actually, I think players have less value. I know everybody said players have more value with the deadline. I think you more value when the player has a full season left. Yeah, you get two kicks at the can with a player. Exactly, exactly. Totally so, yeah. uh, you know, I, if, if they can get an extension done this summer, they will. It wouldn't kick in for another season after that. And if they can't, then you have to think about. Then you have to think about moving him at a time when you'd be selling high too. Yeah, so. exactly. And his game just, to me, it's the most dramatic improvement of any player on the team. No it, it, no it's very pronounced and what the, where he took his game this season. Uh, Bill, last thing for you on this one, um, you know, the aggressive retool versus rebuild. Um, Chuck Fletcher is going to speak uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, it appears. And perhaps we get some indication, some clarity on on those kind of things. I don't I don't expect him to give us any kind of timeline with specifics or anything like that. Um, but I think the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. I I, I think it does. You know, I, I know <laughs> aggressive. You know, the aggressive retool thing is is you know gets thrown out every single day. Things change too, right? Um, I mean, the the team's fortunes did not improve i mean the flyers had the worst record in the nhl after january 1st just just the reality right and you know we can point at injuries you can point to this or that but you're pointing at those bottom line numbers at the top so i you know i i think it is somewhere i think it is somewhere in between um on the other hand i mean i don't think the situation is as dire as some are making it out to be um you know you've said and i agree this team has quite a few middle six or potential middle six players on it. Um, what, they're, what they really don't have is the the absolute bona fide top end, you know, first line guys. And uh, those are not that easy to add, though. So, you know, you, sometimes you have to win through depth. You have to win through, you know, through your ability to protect the puck. Can you, you know, ability to, ability to adapt. If you can, you know, you can win two to one. But you can win through scoring depth too. You don't you don't have to have the forty goal guy, as long as you have a number of guys who are in that high twenties range, 
you know, and you're, so your league ranking. I mean, that's actually one thing that did well in the 2019-2020 season. Flyers were seventh in goals per game that season, but yeah. nobody was contending for the Art Ross Trophy. If, you know, they did it through depth. So, you know, that's that's really – that might be the route that they have to go. Now, if you can get a Johnny Goudreau or whoever, that's a game changer in terms of the, the top end of the lineup. But, you know, but you have to have contingencies too. Okay, what if you can't do that? So I, I think, you know, I, I think that the plan can be to work on, work on improving – I don't think it's a, you know, the other extreme, the teardown mode. I really don't think, and you, you've said this too, that I don't think this, I don't think the fan base really wants what that entails. Yeah. Easy to say, hard to live. (laughs) Very, very hard, right? If you think this season was a long season, try going through five years of it. Yep. With no guarantee on the other end. No guarantee. Yeah. It's funny, the 1920 season, you're right. Seventh in goals scored that year. Seventh lowest goals allowed that year. Yep. Special teams were good. I think the power play was 15th. Penalty kill was, I think, 9th or 11th. And, yep. and and that was by committee. There, there wasn't anybody on that team that was, you know, putting up 40 or anything like that. That, that was getting 20 goals from a lot of guys. Right. Precisely. Precisely. And, and that year, the Flyers allowed the fewest shots per game in the league. Yeah, 28. Everybody, yeah. Everybody committed to, you know, play playing a two-way game and shot and, and you know preventing shots from getting to the net and that's how you cut your goals against it's, yep. it's a lot of work there's a lot of there's a lot of work and requires every if, if you don't have everybody buy everybody buying in it's not going to work totally um well all right that, perfect stuff thanks bill as always this was great we're into the off season chuck fletcher's going to speak on tuesday we'll break that down on wednesday we'll give you some of the player interviews going forward as well and bill will join us a week from today another monday with Meltzer in six, uh, I guess, seven days' time. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now for Flyers Daily. We'll talk to you Wednesday on a brand-new episode of Flyers Daily. Oh,